I just want to eat cheese. Who doesn't? I don't want to be friends with people who don't want to eat cheese. That's it. That's all we got to say today. Yeah, so if you don't want to eat cheese, our friendship doesn't exist. This is the cheese podcast. Mm, Cheese. Welcome to Basic Snitches. We like cheese. Sure do. What's happening? Not a whole lot right now. Are you just recording a podcast? Is yeah. Is it just like the last time? Just, just recording a podcast. I'm not talking about this exact minute. You can talk about your last week. It was long. Yeah. <laughs> Wasn't it a long week? It was a very it long lasted week. lasted a bazillion years, but it was really only five days. Since the last time we recorded, Thanksgiving has happened. Mm-hmm. My birthday Adam's has happened. Adam's birthday happened. It snowed. It did snow. It was horrible. It was really shitty. I have a very long and narrow driveway. Ooh. Did you think I was going to say a very long and narrow dick? <laughs> no, I did not. No, she's seen it. We already talked about how it's a tuna can in the past at some point. I had to shovel my entire driveway about three times on Tuesday. Two and a half hours of work. And this was like heavy, wet snow too. Ew. It was horrible. And like December 1st, you know how people are like on October 31st, they're like, oh, spooky, scary skeletons. And then November 1st, it's like, all I want for Christmas is you. Yeah. Yeah. Mother Earth on December 1st turned into Mariah fucking Carey and was like, time for snow. (laughs) Despite that, I also got my house painted finally. I know we talked about that at one point. It looks good. Literally two days before the snowfall, my house was painted. Welcome to Cleveland. I got a washer and dryer yesterday. My Christmas tree is up and I wrapped it in garden netting and the cats have not touched it at all this entire time. Bentley loves to sleep under it. It's very cute. What else has happened in the last week? That's all like in the fucking last week, guys. It's been crazy. I went camping. That was the week prior. Yeah, I watched your cats. Yeah. What have you been doing? Nothing exciting. Oh, I judged a speech tournament this morning digitally. I've not done a digital speech tournament yet. Our team is waiting until the last tournament of 2020 to start really late start on the season for us but I judged for another school today and it was kind of cool just to see how the kids are working so that was fun and uh, I drank a lot of coffee today I got to Tara's house we're at Tara's house today yeah where all of the acoustics are good until Adam fucks it up (laughs) and didn't realize how exhausted I was so get ready buckle in motherfuckers this is gonna be a special interesting one yes today we are Discussing chapter 15. Chapter Bo-baton. 15. Did I say chapter 15 or did yeah. I say something else? No, you didn't. You said, oh, yes, I, thought, I mean, you did. I, I, I was okay. just repeating you. I thought that you were correcting <laughs> me. I was like, what the fuck did I no, say? I was repeating. I was repeating. He's it's correct. It's called Bobaton and Durmstrang. Yes. Winner of chapter 14. Yeah. You're going to hate this. Is it uh, Ludo Bagman? Oh, no, he's the loser. He's the loser. He's not in the chapter. Wait, what the fuck happened in the last episode? The Unforgivable Uh, Curses. Oh, yeah. So the winner of the chapter is Mad-Eye Moody slash Barty Crouch Jr. Yeah, that makes sense. And the loser of the chapter... Is Ludo Bagman. Is (laughs) Ludo Bagman for existing, obviously. Oh, can we... No, it's not... Can we talk about in the last episode that you published? Uh Uh-huh. You were real sassy against me in the description about how Adam thinks that he can determine what... He has a problem with my fuck, Mary kill answers. He's a problem with my... <laughs> what? You have a problem with Ludo Backman. And Amos Diggory. 
Okay. Facts are facts, America. Who the loser is? The loser is Ron. Someone had to lose. Why? I'm um, a- I'm literally asking because I can't remember. Not oh, I'm not actually created. So literally, Ron only loses because I want him to be less critical of Hermione immediately about house elf rights. Mm-hmm. He's just like, no, house elves like to be enslaved, and I'm like, calm down, dude. You uh, don't know that. So that's the only reason I give him that loss. We'll discuss further about how Hermione's not really on the right track. Yeah. But still, like, this is your friend. Maybe you're the one that knows all about elf rights because you've been living in the wizarding world. Maybe There's we a can have way a conversation, but not for Ron Weasley. Yeah. I wrote a thing. And I'm not and reading so shit today. We have a special guest reading it. Yes, except he's not here. No, but you will hear his voice. And this is Brian O'Jackson. Don't tell him who it is. Speak, mystery guest. Chapter 15. Harry is a terrible liar and writes another letter to Sirius. Hermione calls him out for it because she should. But something he isn't terrible at is fighting off the Imperius curse, which, by the way, is illegal. But at Hogwarts, it's fine if your defense against the dark arts teacher performs it on you. Totally okay. Then we get a little peek into most of their classes. Most importantly, we get to see Hagrid get a dig in at Malfoy. Perhaps blast-ended scroots like deep ferrets? Posters about the arrival of Bobatons and Dirt. Durstring. Posters about the arrival of Bobatons and Durmstrang. No, no, this is a typo. It's a typo. (laughs) I've I've been a typo. This is a typo, and I completely blanked because I was like, wait, is it a typo? Have I been saying the name wrong this whole time? So it's a typo because I'm terrible. It's fine. Posters about the arrival of Bow Buttons and Durmstrang are put up, and we get a random interjection about Cedric Diggory from Ernie McMillan, and Ron is rude for no reason. Speaking of rude, McGee calls out Neville for not being able to do simple spells. I mean, I guess she's not wrong, but still kind of rude. Anyway, at breakfast the next day, Hermione and the twins discuss. Hermione. I told you I'm very good at acting drunk when I want to act drunk. <laughs> I'm way ahead. <laughs> I'm doing nice, so. Guys, I haven't acted in like nine months. I don't know what I'm doing anymore. No, I, I don't know how to act anymore, so. Anyway, at breakfast the next day, Hermione and the twins discuss house elf rights and the location of the kitchens. Harry receives a letter from Sirius calling him out for being a terrible liar, and we also get to see Quen Hedwig? Quen, yeah. That is not it's, a typo. That is not a typo. Okay. No. We also get to see Quen Hedwig for a moment before they all go to class. And finally, we get the arrival of Bow Battens and Durmstrang, meaning we get to meet another Quen, Madame Maxine. We also get to meet Igor Karkaroth. Boo on that guy, he's kind of terrible. But you know who's not terrible? Victor Crumb, who also happens to be an international Quidditch star and a student of Durmstrang. Gee, I wonder who will be the Durmstrang champion. Wow! Ready? Should we clap? Ready? One, two, three. Who wrote that thing? It was a piece of shit. But it was a good reading. Okay, so at the beginning of this chapter, they're at breakfast, right? And Harry's like, I'm gonna write Sirius a new letter. And he lies. Yeah, he's just like, oh no, it's fine. Everything's good. I'm gonna come up here. It's fine. I feel like that is probably not the best move. It's him showing his teenagerishness, mm-hmm. impulsively being like, oh, wait, maybe if I do this, it'll be fine and everything will blow over. When the last episode let out, he was so worried that his actions would be detrimental to Sirius. When Sirius is a grown ass man, he got out of Azkaban by himself, all of that. Right. So I think that this is interesting. This is showing like a layer of vulnerability to Harry that we don't 
often see. He's just very blatant about it. His vulnerability pretty out there for people who are reading this story and probably for Ron and Hermione. He just reacts. Let me clarify a little bit because vulnerability I think is usually a good thing and you're right. He actually does really show his vulnerability. That might not have been the best word. Perhaps what I mean is showing a little bit of where he isn't quite as polished. I think even in the earlier books, Harry ends up being somewhat mature because of everything that he's been through and everything that he learned so quickly about himself. This is showing maybe more so a little bit of immaturity. And I don't even mean that in a bad way. It just shows that he's unseasoned. Which is kind of sweet. Yeah, I, I think. think so too. I wish you wouldn't lie. About his scar. Right. I mean, I feel like this is actually a pretty expected response. Yeah. Maybe. I feel like Sirius is probably like, yeah, of course, this is what this little kid's going to tell me. What a little brat. Yeah. <laughs> you know? I feel like it's when you have worry. to go. This is maybe a little bit of a page out of my own book. Okay, I have to go, I don't know, shovel my long, skinny driveway. Shovel my long, skinny dick. You laugh. That time you thought I was going to say dick. <laughs> I have to go lo shovel my long and skinny dick. My back and my legs hurt already from doing it the first time and the second time. But it's fine. I'm going to go do it anyways. Because he's like ignoring to an extent. Uh, that might not necessarily be true because he's just lying about it too serious. But being like, ah, it's fine. Oh, who cares about my scar hurting? Does that make yeah. sense? In that way too, it is a little bit relatable. But honey, don't ignore your symptoms. That's how you pass in COVID-19 to people. Right? That's what Harry's just out here passing COVID-19 everywhere. That's right. Rude. Back in the 90s, they had it early in the <laughs> wizarding world. And they did not alert us. That was very rude. It was very rude. But he goes to see Quen Hedwig. He does. Hedwig is like, oh, you need me? Fine. Strap it on my leg. I'm going to bite you hard. Bye. Right? She's just like, I was fucking sleeping. Rude. Yeah. And you were an asshole to me the other day. You did not give me a croissant. I asked for one thing. This is my only demand, bitch. <laughs> Next, we're back in Defense Against the Dark Arts. Oh, we sure are. <laughs> now this, I completely support your winner from the last chapter. I do think that it makes sense. Like, I mm -hmm. need moody points. Same sort of thing. Yeah, it's Barty Crouch Jr. really. But this is where I'm like, really? Did Dumbledore really give you permission to use some students? He probably did because Dumbledore's a fucking psychopath, but... Maybe. <laughs> I don't know. I feel like when I read that, I was like, okay, this is like a sign that this is not... Moving. He probably like said it in passing to Dumbledore, like just kind of threw it at him when it wasn't a good time. Dumbledore's like, yeah, sure, whatever. Yeah, or just I like could... Made sure he wasn't saying it in front of the other heads of house. Like if McGonagall had been there, would be like, wait, what? Yeah. No, no, no. <laughs> McGonagall's like, I'm gonna turn you into a ferret. <laughs> You know, she could do way worse than that. She's I'm gonna a transfiguration turn you into a professor. Long driveway. Yeah, you're right. She's transfiguration. She could do anything. Okay, <laughs> fair. But yeah, this is the moment where I'm like, mm, maybe oh, yeah. not the best teaching moment. Honestly, even if it was that, I mean, Dumbledore is a little bit, you know, distracted perhaps. Even if it was Moody going up to him and saying that. I mean, I'm going to backtrack right there because I don't think that real Moody would actually do that. I don't know. It, it just seems I don't know either weird. because sadly we actually don't get to know real Moody as well as we would like to. Mm. That's kind of the sad thing. I think you're thing. right. We've made a lot of assumptions, but I have a feeling that like Moody is perhaps a little bit more by the book than Barty Crouch 
moody, maybe. Yeah. A, a little bit. Yeah, he's not to McGonagall level. I feel like this wouldn't phase anyone if they were like, oh yeah, Moody did this on the students. They'd be mm-hmm. like, yeah, that's something he would fucking do. Well, They'd we, be like, I don't really like that, but that's something he would do. We still have to remember we're at Hogwarts and this is a very dangerous school. So. Uh, is it? Yeah. I haven't noticed. They got lots of creatures in the woods that'll kill you. They got three-headed dogs up on the third Aww. floor. Shut up. That dog would murder your face. <laughs> they got fucking monsters in the basement. You didn't awe that one. He's dead. I got a monster in my basement for you right now. <laughs> All this shit. They got werewolves teaching classes. <laughs> it, it, this is not a very safe school. I mean, it's, that, that werewolf was awesome, but still. So, so yeah, this was one area where it's like, mm. but then they actually describe what the Imperious Curse feels like to Harry at the very least. Uh-huh. And I was like, that kind of sounds nice. Uh, right? Harry's like, yeah, okay. He's, well, actually, he's the only one who really, like, resists yeah. it. Yeah. Which is brilliant of him being like, no, I don't think I will do that. That's actually, uh, hey, guess what? I haven't talked about mindfulness for a few episodes. That's a mindfulness technique of, like, that voice that is in the back of your mind telling you that you can't do it. I mean, this is the opposite, but kind of pushing against that and being mm-hmm. like, no, Karen, or whatever you choose to name that voice, I can do it. In this case, um, excuse me, no, I won't listen to you, and he resists against it. Like, it's a mindfulness technique. It's amazing. However, when he is, like, first going into it, all the thoughts vanish from his mm-hmm. head. I'm like, excuse me, why is this unforgivable? Right, this sounds I would like delightful. This <laughs> oh, that's why, because someone can make me do whatever the fuck they want. I mean, I would use the Imperious Curse on myself all the time. <laughs> Oh, I gotta like, meditate. I'm gonna make today? myself do things. It's the meditation spell. It's a meditation spell. Boom! I would oh, use... oh, I'm gonna make myself. Oh, oh my god! I didn't even think of that. I would, I was I just would like, use it on myself. All I'm time. just using myself, and I'm gonna be like, you lay down there and fall asleep for eight hours until you are rested. Oh, no, I would be like, I'm gonna make myself do things. I'm gonna Imperial make myself self. do the cleaning. <laughs> Yesterday, I had to hook up my new washer dryer and everything. Mm-hmm. If I didn't know how to do it, Imperio, bitch, figure it out. Because, <laughs> like, they were talking about how Neville was doing, like, backflips and gymnastics that, right. like, he typically wouldn't be able to do. Yeah. Shit, anything I don't know how to do, Imperio. Right? I'm Imperio myself. For real. I would Imperio myself. Like, why don't more people do that in the wizarding world? It's probably dangerous. You probably can't actually Imperio yourself. Excuse me, Hogwarts wizard people, please write in at basicsmissions.gmail.com. Like, if I ask you to Imperio me for a very specific thing, will you do it? That sounds like assisted suicide, honestly. I know. Anyways, I enjoyed that. My gut reaction at Moody was like, mm, you probably shouldn't do that. And then, like, it came up and it was like, oh, maybe you should do that. Because it sounded... That actually sounds great. The way it was written was, like, actually kind of appealing. But the class turns into oh. being pretty dangerous in this regard though he's like no you have to do it until you throw it off making him do a physically daunting task yeah oh, and he ends up like it. really hurting his shins or something yeah in the ow so another thing that i thought about in this whole time correct me if i'm wrong because you have the book with you a book this big i leave it home when i travel <laughs> like i am bringing everything with me there is some point where moody is like you have to be on guard about being attacked at any second when I read that, I was like, oh, that might be a little bit of the clever foreshadowing that we sometimes see about, like, the real identity of some of these characters, such as 
Quirrell, such as Lupin, things like that. It's kind of hidden in there because it's a part of the lesson, but I'm like, mm, but we also know who you are. Right. It had like a double meaning to me. I was just thinking about the fact that, again, like I'm always so intrigued by the choice to teach them this, being Barty Crouch Jr., especially Harry. The fact that Harry's the first one to show promise with this. Don't you feel like that would be a red flag to be like, let's not let this child become better at this because he's going to have to fight against... It's bite. one of those things where he goes against Voldemort in order to, like, keep up his appearance. Like we I mean, I guess so, last. yeah. Like, it's just yeah. so interesting. That's interesting, yeah. Because, so what I was thinking, actually, that kind of marries into that thought. Already you have the student who has proven to fight off one of the unforgivable... Cur- let me try saying unforgivable one more time unforgivable curses there i did it twice did it here's a child who has already fought off one of the unforgivable curses right and like here you are like training him to fight against another one i mean that maybe is more proof that maybe dumbledore did say hey you need to teach them this because like would barty crouch jr really like do that out of his own accord yeah, I just think that it's strange that he did that. But, you know, whatever. Yeah. Um. Then, of course, he just made Harry keep doing it until he could throw it off. Mm-hmm. And yeah. it looks like he did it to the whole class because it said that Ron had more trouble than Harry throwing it off. Hmm. Well, it Dealt sounded to it. me like the whole class had trouble throwing it off and Harry was the only one who was really good at it. Too. That's kind of, yeah, like in class is what it sounded like. But again, yeah. I, of course, Harry, you know... Harry's definitely an exceptional Defense Against the Dark Arts student. Yeah. So. After this class, then we start to get a little bit of background on, like, things coming up. The mention of owls coming up, mm-hmm. which is interesting. I think that is worth bringing up. But then, of course, they see the posting of, we got two new schools coming here. Got some friends gonna, coming. Yeah, get ready. There's going to be Trap Wizard Tournament. Talk oh, but before we talk about that, we do have to mention Hagrid literally getting a fucking burn in oh I please love that hagrid gets that burn in wait say what the burn is because i actually don't even have that written so down. he is saying to the class for a project he wants the kids to come down and check on the scroots draco is like i will not and then hagrid <laughs> says you'll do what you're told or i'll be taking a leaf out of professor moody oh book. my god okay. i hear you make a good ferret malfoy i'm glad that you had mentioned that because <laughs> I remember, like, reading the Draco line of, Mm -hmm. I will not. And I was like, what, you ain't got anything else to say? (laughs) Did you lose your, like, the last bit of, like, bullying juju that you had when with that ferret thing? Because now you aren't, like, are you barely talking back based on what you usually (gasps) do. It's just so good because it's Hagrid. And Hagrid is like, mmm, yeah. 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 (laughs) Did you see the one TikTok that I had sent where somebody voiced over Buckbeak? Yeah. <laughs> and like I had never made this connection before, but basically it's the overlay of the person's eyes and mouth on the characters. So first it starts with Draco, and Draco is like, Well, aren't you a nasty old brute? And then Buckbeak is like, Excuse me, bitch, get everybody get out of my way. Take someone take my earrings. It's not exactly that. It's actually the person who does this is brilliant, and they have several others like this. Buckbeat is like, I eat ferrets for breakfast and you're a ferrety looking motherfucker or something like that. <laughs> so and I'm like, oh my God, I never made that connection. <laughs> but it's true. Like he turns him into a ferret and that's what Buckbeak eats. Buckbeak does eat ferrets. That's interesting to me. So I'm glad that you brought that up in several <laughs> points because when I read 
Draco in particular, I was like, wow, you don't have much left in you, too. Right? <laughs> Just afraid everyone's going to turn you into a ferret. Again, imagine what McGonagall could turn the fucker into. Yeah. Because actually, we didn't really touch on this, but I think when they mention owls, mm-hmm. that's when they're in Transfiguration. And they are. And they're turning hedgehogs into pincushions. Yeah, she's giving Dean Thomas shit. She's like, your pincushion curls up in fright. Yes! <laughs> That's one where, you know, like we've seen like the birds into water goblets, the beetles into buttons. This is such a good matchup too mm-hmm. that I really, really like that. There's so many like little details in these chapters and, you know, it's funny because even as this book continues to get more and more dense, those little details are still in here, mm-hmm. but there's so much that I feel like sometimes they get lost. You know what I mean? I love all the little moments in class that are not necessarily like pushing the story forward, but they just give us time with them. Yeah. Oh, totally. When they do get, like, the posting about, Mm -hmm. like, Durmstrang and Bobaton are coming, the big thing that I noticed here is that, you know, in the crowd, there's a lot of names kind of being thrown around and stuff. And Cedric is one that pops up. Yes. And from this point forward, people are always like, oh, everyone thinks he's so handsome, blah, blah, blah. He's handsome. People are almost using it as a burn, almost as if he's, like, no substance in all looks. Yeah. And I was like, what the fuck is with that? Like, what do people have against Cedric? I know, because Cedric's a nice guy. This whole thing with Ron, when he was, like, that idiot, ugh. And, like, Hermione sticks up for him, and then Ron's like, oh, you know, like, him because he's handsome. Ron, you're fucking ridiculous. This is already setting in the stuff with the Yule Ball. Mm-hmm. For sure. Oh, for sure. And actually, I think that that was a note that I had in the next chapter about them always, like, bringing up, oh, he's handsome. It's a through line here. Like, people mm-hmm. aren't, like, giving Cedric enough clout, I think. No, and it's really annoying because any mention of Cedric, obviously, like, we get a tiny mention of him in the third book. Any mention of Cedric prior to this moment and even after this moment, he's wonderful. Yeah. He's a nice guy. He's a good student. And it's only boys who are like, ugh. They're jealous. That's well, and I will say, Harry doesn't really be shitty about Cedric until Cho becomes the thing. Yeah. You know? I appreciate that all the Gryffindors want Angelina to be. Oh, I do too. I totally appreciate that. Right. Angelina? Are you kidding me? Hells yes. You want to talk about Quinn's? She's fucking great. You mentioned Quinn and your thing about Maxine, which we'll get there because she a Quinn too. Ooh. But Angelina. 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 I think that's the next chapter, but still. That's fine. We can bring her up here. She like, can always bring up Angelina. She's, she's fucking she's great. She's like Quinn, Molly, and Pomfrey, and Sprout. We love Angelina. She's Yeah, she's up there. I, I just get, yeah, I'm, I'm with you though. I think that's annoying that Cedric, when he's brought up negatively, it's like, oh, because he's handsome. I'm like, what the fuck is wrong with that? He a good guy. Yeah, and he looked good. So, it does. Shut the fuck up. There was another little thing in here where I was just hit with this. I don't know if it was necessarily from a passage or anything. Either Filch was mentioned or House Elves were mentioned. And I was thinking, does Filch manage or oversee the House Elves? Because, like, in the past we've talked about, like, oh my god, there's this huge school and there's only one janitor. Mm-hmm. But then with the introduction of House Elves, I'm like, wait a minute. Is it possible that the house elves not necessarily report to him, but somehow he is able to like tell them what to do? Like I think of like servants in like a classic British manner in the I don't know eighteen hundreds or something. It's been over ten years since I've taken British literature and British history. There's like the chief of staff, like the head yeah. that's in charge. You know what I mean? Like there's. I don't know if anybody will know what I'm talking about, but there are these videos on YouTube 
of like Victorian cooking or old British cooking. Uh-huh. And Mrs. Crocombe is the person who oversees this house. And she's like, today we're going to make something that's very fucking nasty because we ate the insides of pigs when we were living. She talks about like all the other maids and all the other cooks yeah. and how she like oversees them. I wonder because we only ever see Filch clean. We know now that we've gotten to this book that the house elves are definitely, they're doing all of this behind the scenes work but we also have actually seen filch cleaning so i'm not sure he does the things that the house elves can't reach like clean off craft paint from the wall when somebody decides to write some bitch's skeleton is in the basement yeah i don't know i i i that is just an interesting thought that came up to me yeah i never thought of that because if so poor house elves because that's right. Oh, but maybe Filch is very nice to the house elves. Maybe those are he like probably his is. He's probably nice to the house elves, and he's like fuck students. Yeah, which I mean, sometimes I might actually agree with Filch in that <laughs> case. I'm sure. I just like the thought of fucking Argus Filch being Mrs. Crocombe from those things. Do you know what I'm talking about? Yes, I do. You do? I do. Yes. <laughs> I do. Yeah, and like she's like, we're going to make an actual British pudding. First, we need three cups of blood. <laughs> So so now I'm picturing like Filch as that lady, and it's amazing. I don't know, just a little side stuff of something that I. I eat. love it. Sorry, crinkle, 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 crinkle. We got star. our snacks. We get the letter back from Sirius. Oh yeah, so Harry. Ahead. The fuck, dude. <laughs> <laughs> nice try, little bitch. <laughs> love Godfather. That's basically <laughs> basically what, it's what it is. So he's back in the area. Which I think is cool. I think it sets up some nice things for like Grimmauld Place and things like that, at the very least. There's a nice exchange right after that where like Ron's kind of like, why can't you use Hedwig? Because he's an idiot. And Hermione's like, common sense. She'll attract attention. And we get a little bit of Hedwig time. And then McGonagall's like, all right, guys, let's go meet our guests. Yes. They go out. It's like they're all standing there being like, how the motherfuck are the people coming up? They have, yeah, they're all like talking about, are they going to train? Are they going to ride broomsticks? Are they going to apparate? Oh my God, you stupid assholes. You can't apparate inside. Hermione is like, I've told you this a hundred times. I'm fucking tired of saying it. Yeah, which She's is gonna interesting. have to make a recording and just play it for Ron every time he... What are they going to use to record since they don't have any fucking technology? Right, I know, I know. That's why she has to keep repeating it. Probably the the wand. The wand can do anything. The wand is like the modern iPhone. I mean, fucking take the memory out of her head. Right, that's what she like, needs Here's to do. Here's a memory for you, stupid for bitch. You. So they're kind of waiting and stuff, and then all of a sudden they see the UFO in the sky, and as it gets closer, they realize it's a carriage with a whole bunch of horses. Quen Maxine comes out. <gasps> She's so great. Dumbledore. I love her. I like that. Dumbledore. I, she, I like how the student comes out and like opens it up for her and he like fumbles with it. He's probably really nervous. It's interesting because when you think of like heads of school and stuff, and I'm almost certain this is in the next chapter, but I'm going to talk about it now. The way that people respect the heads of school. Because mm-hmm. like Dumbledore is just kind of like, I don't know, that cool teacher that you're like, what's up? And he's like, you know, he's got roller skating shoes on and he is like dribbling a basketball. And then Madame Maxime is like, no, y'all are going to respect me. Like in oh. the next chapter where she stands up and then everybody else stands up and like they won't sit back down. I love that. Like she's that bitch. I love her. Demands respect. Mm-hmm. She has a presence. Yes. Well, of course she has a presence because she's a big bitch. I feel like if Madame Maxime were not a big bitch, she would still have a presence. I think Her you're personality right. I is think just you're right. like 
commanding. That's right. I love her. And uh, Hagrid wanted to get with that. So. Well, I mean. Hagrid got good taste. For real. Then, fucking ship. And then the ship comes up. <sighs> the ship is so cool. Yeah, I also. I love the ship. I feel like that is almost more of a badass way to like arrive. Hell yeah. It's so badass. <laughs> yep. And actually, when all the Durmstrang folks get off the boat. I feel like they seem almost more jovial. Yeah, Boatan was cranky. All the people from Durmstrang are like, cool. What this kind of gave me vibes of is Greek life. Mm-hmm. So I kind of talked about like Dumbledore being like the cool teacher and stuff. Yes, in the actual movie, which we'll get there, Durmstrang is all boys, Bobaton is all girls. But I feel like the way that Madame Maxine has a commanding presence, it feels more like a sorority to me. Okay. I feel like everybody on Durmstrang, they're just like ready and they're competitive but excited and something seems more friendly about them too. Yeah. Which is so weird because even in the past, I've always thought of them being like the aggressive one. Bobaton being a little bit more soft, but I read it the opposite this way. I think that Bobaton is probably a very strict school. Yeah, Not that's because totally it. I think Madame Maxime is like unfair or too strict. I think that that's just, they are very particular. And obviously we learn a lot more about Karkarov in this book. Durmstrang is probably also strict, but in like a less organized way. A little more like Hogwarts, kind of where Hogwarts Hogwarts should be because Hogwarts is too lenient. So many things popped into my mind when you said that because I don't know if strict is necessarily the right word. I don't know that it is either. But then again, like when you said the thing about Hogwarts, like Hogwarts ain't strict enough. I actually feel like after you saying that, the Durmstrang is about like the middle ground, perhaps where they should be. Mm-hmm. Although, like I feel like at Bobaton, strictness isn't quite the right word. Maybe it's more respect that there are specific rules of respect that you follow. Mm-hmm. Something like that. Yeah, it's very interesting to see the comparison of all three of these schools because I do think that Hogwarts is portrayed in the long run, and we of course know more about Hogwarts too. Right, but they are depicted as perhaps being the one that doesn't have their shit together as much. Well, they but, don't. But yeah, I mean, we just, we don't know. Like, it would be interesting to see a book set in Bobaton or Durmstrang or Ilvermorning or something. To see I find Durmstrang is the one that fascinates me. One, we learn later on that Grindelwald went to Durmstrang. So Dumbledore wanted that German sausage. <laughs> that bratwurst. I think that maybe... Ignored. She laughed and then she was like, moving on. Well, you made me lose my train of thought. Fucking rude! I just got called out, but it's so true. (laughs) I just wonder if it's just like a completely different way of living. Like, they clearly live probably up in the mountains where it's all like super fucking cold because, you know, they're wearing the capes and stuff. Mm -hmm. And it makes me think of maybe, you know, are my uncultured American ass thinking of like the Alaskan tundra or whatever. The people who live in Alaska live much differently yeah, the people that, who that's, live that's a good point. here in the Midwest. I, well, in the Midwest, we have to live like we live in Alaska and like we live in Florida, which are two states I never want to live in ever. <laughs> so There's also that. <laughs> no offense, Alaskans and Floridians. If you're listening to this podcast, you're probably cool. Some people who live in more remote locations are just more laid back. Yeah. In yeah, general. That's true. I mean, obviously, that's an assumption. I don't want to be like an assuming person, but... 
I think in general that's something that we can kind of see. So you bring up a good point because during this, the Bobaton people are all like shivering because they're in like this like silk gown. France, I'd never really think of as being like super, super warm. I wonder if that Bobaton is located in the south of France around Nice or something like that. I would say it probably is. And also in contrast, Hogwarts is located in Scotland, which is going to be cooler around Halloween than like here in general. Well, it depends. Well, also remembering that this is the 90s and global warming hadn't quite hit oh, and fucked well, yeah, things up true. by then. If you're French, email us. Also, thanks for listening to the podcast. Also, people. if you're French, this goes without saying, send, send us, us wine. wine. And cheese. And cheese. And croissant. For Hedwig. No, <laughs> Hedwig don't live here. Those are all for me. The other thing that I have here is how with Bobaton and Durmstrang, and eventually, this is in the next couple chapters, but the four champions represent one of each house. Yes, we don't know who the champions are yet. I mean, you do if you're reading the book. You can figure it out. Mm -hmm. But obviously, Harry's Gryffindor. Obviously, Cedric is Hufflepuff. The Durmstrang folks go straight to Slytherin. Bobaton people go to Ravenclaw. Now, beyond that, though, about it being like all four houses... The Bobaton people come from the air and they go to Ravenclaw. And beyond Ravenclaw just being a bird that flies, I've talked in the past about how, like, the houses represent all four elements. Mm-hmm. Ravenclaw and Bobaton coming together kind of makes sense because they came in on a flying carriage. Durmstrang comes from the water, which is representative of Slytherin. This is something we talked about in the very first book. Where air represents, like, intellect. I'm interested to see, like, as we move forward, how Bobaton represents intellect or brains. Mm -hmm. And water represents emotion. So I'm interested to see more in how Durmstrang represents emotion or passion or ambition, which I know we see from Victor Crumb, Mm -hmm. for sure. It also got me thinking, like, let's say that instead of Cedric, it was some random Ravenclaw person or some random Slytherin person who was chosen as champion. In order to make everything fit, and of course this is like a reach, but let's say it was some other school and they had to arrive in some way representing earth or fire. Hmm. What would that be? Like I can see like, let's go to the room of requirement. It's all fireplaces and everyone arrived by flu powder. And earth, honestly, I feel like the Hogwarts Express kind of represents earth Hmm, pretty well. That or like they all like burrow out of the earth like fucking moles or something, but that's pretty bizarre so well i mean magic maybe like the head of whichever school would be fire they have a pet phoenix and the phoenix just like and then they're there does what dumbledore does yeah he's trying to yeah escape from pinko maybe that's it i don't that's all i have i'm sorry dumbledore we can only only call him dumbledore from now on (laughs) then they notice that from Crumb is there. Crumb is a student too. Yeah, he young. He's pretty fucking great. Everyone drops their panties. Floods their basement. The end. Fuck, Mary kill. We just talked about the carriage and the ship. Guess what? This is the third travel fuck, Mary kill of this book. Here we go. This book is about travel. So yeah, those are two of them. The Bobaton carriage, the Durmstrang ship, and then the Hogwarts Express. How the three schools get to school. I want you to go first. You want me to go first? Yeah. Okay, well, I'm going to kill the Hogwarts Express. Yikes, okay. (laughs) No, 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 I take that back. So out of the three, Hog, Hog, woo! I drank half the bottle of wine. 
uh, you have barely touched yours. I know, I was saving it. Savoring it. Savor, saving it slash it. I was not, I was like, get up in me, I need my go-go juice. Okay, what was I talking about? Hogwarts Express. <laughs> the Hogwarts Express is clearly the most unremarkable of the three. So that was like, okay, I'm gonna kill this bitch. However, this is a sharp left turn, but now after like ruminating on a little bit better, I think I'm gonna marry the Hogwarts Express. Because it's classic, you, you got the trolley lady, you can get all your treat. It's stable, sort of. Yeah, I'm gonna fuck the boat. And the reason why is cause it's cool. It's just cool. Like, can you imagine how cool it would be like when it's underwater? Like you'd be in like a submarine, but it would be all like Viking and shit. Mm -hmm. So I'm gonna kill the carriage. And it's interesting because like, I love like hopping on an airplane and shit, but it's a little bit bougie. I'm sure there are like better ways that you could do it than these flying horses. And like in the movie, those horses are whipping this carriage around. Like it is high turbulent. It is. That don't look too fun. And I think also in the next chapter we learn that it is similar to the tents at the Quidditch World Cup. So you're all crammed in there. I mean, yes, it's probably more spacious on the inside, but at the same time, when we see that carriage again, I'm going off of the movie, it is a tiny ass carriage. So how much can these things really like expand on the inside, I guess, too? And then also like with the carriage, then your horse has got to be taken care of and they got to drink their fucking single malt whiskey. And instead of me drinking that whiskey, I got to give it to the horses. So I'm going to kill the carriage. So those are my exact answers. Yes! <laughs> really for the same reasons. Yeah. The boat is just so fucking cool. The boat is really cool. And then like, again, we're going to talk about maybe in like two seconds, but in the movie, the appeal of it mm -hmm. is so much greater than that of Bobaton's way of arriving, I think. I think Bobaton's way of arriving is very grand. I think that it fits them. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I like that, but I like trains, so I'm feeling very comfortable yeah, with the train. Yeah, you know, my first thought, like I said, was that it's so basic and like a little bit too normal, but I mean, can you really kill the Hogwarts Express? I don't know that you can. I the Hogwarts Express. It's a, like a cornerstone of the series. Yeah. I have a mini Hogwarts Express sitting out on one of my side tables or my Hogsmeade Christmas villages right now. I love it. So yeah, I think I have to marry the Hogwarts Express for sure. You're right, I haven't been on a train in a hot minute, not just because of COVID-19, but because I just haven't traveled by train in a while. But my late grandfather used to work on trains and stuff, so I've definitely been on trains. There's an appeal there, there's something classic and fun. Yeah, I think that makes sense. Trains are cool. Yep. You know what isn't cool? This movie. Yeah. <laughs> This movie is a piece of shit. So we, we have to go back in time and rewatch a part of the movie that is represented here. And we already even talked Good about this. Good lord. But the ladies prance through the hall doing their stupid fucking dance. Something that we did not talk about earlier is Quen Maxime and she's, how like she's perfect. She is perfect. The description of Maxime in the book I think matches this actress so well and Francis something. I don't know. I, she's awesome. Fairly certain. Cause she's, she's another one who's been in Agatha Christie shit. Like, half of these bitches. Yeah, she's awesome. She does get the one line in the book, and this is, uh, actually, I think she says it in the next chapter, but it's part of this part in the movie, kind of, mm. where she says the thing about single malt whiskey. Oh, yeah. She says Dumbledore. 
I do love that. The uniforms look great. Yeah, their uniforms look cool. Their dance is stupid as hell. It's so weird. It's kind of creepy. You could do better. I don't know. I just, I feel like you could do better. And guess what? You can because then Durmstrang comes in. And again, we've always talked about this, but they got the fire. They got their sticks. They're doing backflips. Yeah. And they all look good. And like them to feel a little bit more natural. I mean, we already talked about how like Bobaton's probably a little bit more regimented. So they have their school uniform and everything. But Durmstrang, like some people have their big cloaks on and some people don't. And like they, there's a little bit of like difference Mm -hmm. between them. Durmstrang are kind of equated to like the bad guys, if you will. Yeah. Because of Igor Karkaroff. Yeah, that guy sucks. The actor who plays in those. Perfect. Yes, I think so too. Like they nailed Igor Karkaroff and Madame Maxine, I think. I think they did too. In the book even, I get a warmer feel from Durmstrang, which I didn't expect. Maybe it's because I'm a Slytherin and we already talked about how they're kind of like equated with Slytherin in some ways. Yeah. Them I love. My biggest issue is the way that Bobaton enters. I, yeah, I don't love it at all we do get a little thing in the movie with Hagrid kind of like flirting a little bit with Madame Maxine yeah and he isn't paying attention so he stabs fucking Flitwick in the hand just really fucking rude and completely unnecessary and unnecessary. as someone who doesn't like sharp objects or blood it made me feel very uncomfortable and why did you decide to put that in the fucking movie no one knows I'm pretty sure that the actor who plays Flitwick also wants to know why. Yeah. He's Warren like, Davis? Yeah, Warren Davis. Is we probably, actually know his name. Yeah, we do. He's probably like, I'm in one second of this movie and it's getting my hand stabbed. What the fuck? You fucking bitch. <laughs> the other thing, of course, is that this happens immediately. Like, the Hogwarts Express shows up at Hogwarts, boom, a carriage flying through the sky. They don't even show it showing up at Hogwarts. They're just like, Hogwarts Express carriage! Yeah. <laughs> And, like, everybody's in, like, the hallways, like, those open hallway yeah. garden. Pointing up it. Yeah. Oh, my God. Carriage. Look at that shit. Yeah. And then they turn their head and somehow they can see through some walls and they see the Great Lake and the fucking boat rising up, which is... Magic. Amazing. I mean, I do really enjoy how everything looks in the movie, except for the dance. I That's, like, the 50th time of me mentioning it. I don't like the Boba Tons They'll probably dance. mention it again, even if it's not relevant, because it's probably. that in a way. It's fucking weird. Okay. Agree. Yes, they do sort of cut things up a little bit in the movie. We already talked about how this movie is a fucking mess. But now that we kind of went back in time, from this point forward, it's a little bit more streamlined. Hopefully, maybe (laughs) that won't... We might discover that we're wrong about that. I feel like that's probably a good possibility. This is maybe one of the chapters that I like how it is represented in the movie. We don't need to see the Imperious Curse happening on students. I'm good with that not being shown, mostly because I know that it would be done in such a way that they just continue to make it really fucking obvious that Barty Crouch Jr. is actually moody because... That's what they've been doing since the fucking beginning. Yeah. It's just made him really obviously a bad guy. So no thanks. The things that they did cut from this chapter, like the more like natural progression, instead of like Hogwarts Express going down a hill, mm-hmm. boom, we got French people in the sky. That I still think is fine. Like they cut out things that kind of make sense that are more transitionary. Mm-hmm. I don't really mind it. It is a lot earlier than it needs to be. Yeah. Yeah, I, this I'm okay with. Yeah, for, the I, most for some part. reason I don't 
mind this as much. So I really just wish that they were not boys and girls. That too. That that also bothers me. Like I want to see some fierce ass Bulgarian, Slovenian, German question mark Germstring students because you know that those ladies look fierce as fuck. Right. They're probably gorgeous. Yeah, and I want to see what the fucking male Bobaton students well, look like. Especially because at the Yule Ball, I'm pretty sure one of the Bobaton boys dances with Pavardi or Padma. Oh. When the boys don't dance with them because they suck. Yeah, like I want to see that. Are they all gay? Do they, all, they do that stupid dance again too? Do we need a Bobaton dance counter? Write in. Let us know. <laughs> it's gonna be like wah wah. <laughs> <laughs> we hate that dance. Bye. <laughs> Are you ready for points? I'm ready. Let's get into it. All right, I'm going to start off with negative points. When we talked about it, we kind of talked about how it's kind of endearing and maybe a little bit even natural, but I'm taking five points away from Harry for lying to Sirius. Aw, okay. okay. I don't know. I also feel like Harry's almost smarter than that. I feel like this is maybe, I don't know. I, okay. I, I think Harry's really just trying to like save you know he's trying like, to save face he's trying to be like it's not that important but i get what you're saying yeah i mean rarely do i take points away from harry it's just five he shouldn't have lied to serious Eh, that's about it but i'm also taking every five from hermione <laughs> because we didn't talk too much about it this is where i think we start to see the elf thing get out of hand mm, okay like yeah. oh hey i was reading this book did you know that this is why i tried to visit tournament is like this oh by the way there are elves here it seemed like just a way for her to kind of insert it into the conversation. I like Harry and Hermione, but this is one of those times where I was like, mm, there's actually not a ton of people to take points away from in this chapter. Yeah. So these were just two little moments of weakness. Honestly, I can see myself taking more away from Hermione because I think the elf welfare plot does kind of get a little bit unwieldy or unwieldier in the future. So I'm giving five points to Hedwig because she's sassy. Yes, Hedwig. You could say that Harry was being sassy earlier too, but Hedwig is Quen and Harry has not elevated to Quen status, even though these books are named after him. So <laughs> I'm also giving plus five to Sirius because I really like his response. <laughs> nice try, bitch. I feel like Sirius would be our friend. We would totally hang out I think Sirius. so, too. Sirius is cool. I also kind of feel like we Marco also, is kind of serious. Marco is totally serious. <laughs> we would also hang out with Lupin, for sure. Oh, we for sure would hang out with Who's, Lupin. Who is Lupin? I think I'm Lupin. <laughs> Who am I? I'm the giant squid. We, 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 we got this. We don't need you to write in for that one. Okay. I'm giving... Five to Maxine and Igor, because they're just there. Yeah. And they fit so well in the movie. Yeah. Like, and at this point, too, I think both of them are powerful presences in this chapter. Mm -hmm. Like, Igor is potentially going to lose points in the future. Very likely. Uh, yeah. But at this point, both of them seem cool. Like, I don't know. In, yeah. in very different ways. So, plus five to both of them. And then, remember when I said there weren't a lot of people to take points away from in this chapter? Mm -hmm. I lied. Negative ten to Moody. Because... It doesn't seem right for him to do the Imperious Curse. <laughs> That's fair. So next time we got a special guest for chapter 16. Yes, we do. Which is called the Goblet of Fire. What? Why is that didn't the name you of say book? it along with me? I was going to let you I was going to say the same thing. Uh, <laughs> let's try that one more time. Ready? The, the Goblet, Goblet of Fire. Fire. Oh, oh my God. God. That's the name. Come on. <laughs> okay. Third time's a charm. Ready? The, the Goblet, Goblet of, of Fire. fire. Oh, oh my God. My God that's, that's the name the of this book. book. <laughs> We're the worst. We're the best. <laughs>
Basic Snitches is recorded and produced by Adam Bowers and Tara Corkery. Edited by me, Adam Bowers. And published by me, Tara Corkery, and available wherever you listen to podcasts. Thank you for listening. Please review and rate us five stars on your app of choice. And be sure to share us to all of your other friends who love Harry Potter and getting drunk. Oh, don't forget to follow us on social media. Sometimes I update that. Basic Snitches on Instagram. Also, we have a Facebook page. And email us anything you want to or specifically answers to our questions on our segments. BasicSnitches at gmail.com. But don't send us dick pics, please. That's nasty. But do send us liquor. Thanks. Yeah. Alohomora. Oh, now people can get into your house. They're on their toe. But they don't matter because now you're a water goblin. Bye. Bye.